Good morning, Christ Central Church. My name is Rachel Randolph, and I have been loved on and cared for by this church and the Greertown Community Group for going on six years. And we come, we come this morning to the Word of God for hope and healing. So let's sit together in First Samuel. So on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. One day, Jonathan, the, Saul, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with, your, with you heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about 20 men within as it were half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled, the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, count and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. 
Now, while Saul was talking to the priests, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle. And behold, every Philistine sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Now the Hebrews, who had been with the Philistines before that time, and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites, who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel, who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim, heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond beth This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, pastor of Christ Central Church. And what a time we're living in. And um, I hope that this morning we can find hope in the Word of God. And it's fairly providential, meaning I didn't pick this scripture, it was next in line, that God would speak to us in such a way for such a time as this. Following a church service this morning, um, Kelly and I will be going to a rally and a protest and march, and, and march uptown following this worship service at one o'clock. People will be meeting at First Ward Park where we'll be speaking with other leaders in our community, leaders of faith, um, to show a unified Christian response to what's going on and what's happening. And what is the root, right? The, the living root of what we see simply the blossoms of uh, year after year after year. Um, and so the name of the rally, It Stops Now is about going to the root of the matter in a way only the gospel and the people of God walking by faith can offer this world a change of heart, not just a change of law, which is important, right? Not just a change of behavior or even perspective, but that those changes would flow out of a change that only God can do. Change of the heart. So if you can't join us physically out there, um, if you go to hashtag, it ends now. Um, you, you can watch it virtually um, and be a part of it from your home. But let us prepare our hearts for even going out there today by hearing from the word of God. And we continue in our sermon series through the book of Samuel with a standoff, right, between the Philistines and the Israelites. Jonathan, King Saul's son, has attacked the Philistine military base and outposts earlier, which causes the Philistines to come out in full force to intimidate and push back on the Israelite advance. But it is in this tense time that the Lord already knew, but what the Lord already knew becomes more evident to everybody else. Saul is a whack leader right? 
And that's in large part because, because God's people were more concerned about looking like winners and, and winning now to catch up with their other powerhouse nations more than they were concerned about character. And by character, I mean what, what, what we learned last week, that, that God wanted for his people in a leader, a man after his own heart. And Saul's heart, well, God bless his heart, as some of us Southerners would say because he just didn't have it in him to do all that was on him as king of God's people. And these types of things happen all the time, right? This story is on repeat in our lives, isn't it? Where we have leaders or maybe leading ourselves in ways where we find ourselves out of our league or in the wrong place and now find ourselves therefore outmatched out there in a need of some sort of out of the ordinary intervention. With most, with the most recent videos of African-American men being falsely accused, chased down and murdered and arrested and murdered and an African-American woman gunned down in a misguided police raid combined with the news that, that we are headed for an inevitable second wave of the COVID virus as we all move as quickly as we can to get back to our normal way of life back, right? Aren't you feeling? Aren't you feeling it? Don't you know? Can't you tell that we are outmatched, out there, and in need of an out-of-the-ordinary rescue for all the souls leading us and all the souls in us, all the scared army in us. We need a faith that flows uphill, right? That, that can go and reach us where we have fixed and find ourselves outmatched and out there. In our passage today, that uphill flowing faith follows and is found in Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan is one of those rare dudes who is able to be nothing like his parents, right? Who doesn't become his parents, unlike 99% of us who eventually see stuff about them in us, right? He is a man after God's own heart. But right now in this story, he is a son of a king who isn't. Nevertheless, Jonathan emerges as an unseen and unheralded hero of the faith. It is in his heart and actions we see three things we will explore today. First, God has provided a faith for those who are outmatched. Secondly, he's provided a faith for those who are out there. And finally, he's provided a faith for those who need an out-of-the-ordinary victory. Outmatched, out there, in need of an out-of-the-ordinary victory. So it was a, king's, a, a king of Israel's calling, his job, his day one hit the ground running duty to rid the promised land and their lives of the oppressive heavies, the Philistines, who had grown into this juggernaut of injustice and oppression in the world of the Israelites. And 
after Jonathan, right, uh, leads an initial charge against the Philistines attacking their Pearl Harbor, the Philistines respond with an ancient atomic threat, lining up 60,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. And the Bible says foot soldiers counting like sand on the seashore. Maybe I got that 66,000 flopped. But now add to this that in fear and in Saul's leadership failure, the standing Israeli forces have now dwindled down to about 600 who were willing to go to the front line with Saul. Everyone else dodged the draft, if you will. They were hiding out. They, they tried not to be home when the registered mail came, right? Right? Like, like public enemies, Flavor Flav let us know. They were letting Saul, Samuel, and whoever else know, I can't do nothing for you, man. You jump from the jelly to the jab, right? Now add to this that, that they didn't even have the equipment to fight. Yeah, you read it right. You saw it right in the scripture. Jonathan and King Saul were the only two with swords, spears, and armor. Everyone else, thanks to the resource manipulation by the Philistines who controlled the economy in that part of Israel, had the, you know, the, the, the Israelites were left with the slave-issued weapons, right? Stuff like plowshares and axes and sickles. They had those Jason in the Woods kind of weapons, right? God bless their hearts, right? God better bless more than their hearts because they showed up with a fork to a knife fight. And then the Philistines had sent out raiding parties, the Bible tells us. And what those raiding parties did is they fenced the Israelites from seeping around the sides, right, to get behind them. It forced them, it forced it into a mano a mano, right? No rope-a-dope. Y'all got to come right at us to fight, in the middle of the ring, power against power. And on top of that, you had no confidence in the leadership at this time. Leadership had no confidence to lead. The Bible says that the dudes who went with Saul and Jonathan were trembling as they went. I would tremble too. Because let's face it, they, like some of us today, as we look around our nation, when we look at our own leadership, when we look at what's going on, they found themselves outmatched, outmanned, outflanked, outthought, outorganized, outresourced, outprivileged, outnumbered, outdone, outworked, outraced. But that was where the faith God would have us live by flowed. And Jonathan was found by that faith. Look at verse one with me. It says, one day, the Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. And then look at verse six and seven. Jonathan said to the young man, his armor bearer, right, who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, right? It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder, right? The, the Lord from saving by many or few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. 
Jonathan's words there about, you know, God can save us. God can do it with many or few. Do you understand those words are an enunciation of a faith that is in his heart? It is God that will do this, he said. It is God that has put this belief by his word in my heart. And the armor bearer even says it. Let's do what's in your heart. How did that get in his heart? God's faith reached him in an unmatched, outmatched situation. Like we see in this biblical example, more often than not, when we look through the whole Bible, there isn't any instance in the Bible, they're very rare, where the people of God are the privileged people. Isn't that interesting? They're slaves, right? They go to a promised land. They don't have the weaponry. They're outmanned. They're outnumbered, right? They're, they're out-sophisticated, right? Th these nations like the Philistines and the Babylonians and, and Moab and Ammonite and all these names we never heard before, they were sophisticated, privileged nations. And God's people, by the world standards, were not. So more often than not, faith reaches and activates us to move and believe God and his word, hear me, not when we are on top, not when we have an advantage, but rather when we look inside and outside of ourselves, in our camp, in our communities, among our people, when we look at our leadership, at our abilities, when we look at our broken history, at the events going on, and then at what is coming against us and, and growing around us and, and even about to tear us apart, right? All the data says so. And no, we ain't got it in ourselves to make it. And God must intervene in those situations, that God has intervened with a faith that flows uphill for those who are outmatched. In the biblical book of Hebrews, it says this. Now faith, right, is the assurance of things hoped for, right? The conviction of things, what? Not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, that, that's their commission, right? Their, their go do it. But by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that, hear me, what is seen was created by the word of God, right? So that what was seen was not made of things that are visible. One paraphrase of the same verse says this, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see that we're hoping for. It's, it's how we keep our footing in mind in this world when we look out and everything is outmatching us and, and about to take us. It, it's how we, the, the act of faith is what distinguished, it says, our ancestors. It set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word, what we see created by what we don't see. God can make something out of nothing. The faith that Jonathan had is the faith of those of us who call him Lord, y'all. All you believers out there, all you folk who call yourselves born again, church people, this is the faith that is a gift from God for us to call for and look for and wait for and long for, especially 
in broken situations that only not only seem too much and too great for us to fix, but by the eye, right? Let, by the be, let's be honest, by the human, keep it re, keeping it real assessment, stuff that is too much for us to fix and overcome. Look again at verse four and five with me. It says here, within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. Let me tell you about the location of both outposts. So you can kind of get a visual understanding of what God has to do here. They were camped across from each other, one to the north, one to a little south, and they were across from each other. And between them was this kind of open, arid valley, right? And the Philistine military base was on one side and the Israelites' base was on the other side, each of them sitting right behind and on a high, sitting high on what the Bible calls a crag, which is a rocky, steep cliff, like a giant mountain range. If my visual is this. I see this giant, mile, miles wide, long size half pipe, right? So, so that it would be like a pool, right? It, it would be military suicide to take your team and try to attack the outpost because it would mean you'd have to climb up either Bozes or Santa. And these names tell it all. Bozes, the, the cliff on which the Philistine outpost stood, means slippery. Slick. You can't get a foothold easily. You can't get up there to make a difference. And the cliff the Israelite base stood on, on top of, was Senna. The word means thorny, rocky, treacherous. One of the old gospel, one of those old gospel songs. I don't know, I've been into old gospel songs lately. Sung by gospel legend Dorothy Norwood. Is entitled, I'm Coming Up on the rough side of the mountain. And whether she meant it this way or not, it is not only that you may be having to climb up the rough side of the mountain, that we'll see Jonathan doing that in a minute, but you and I are coming up and growing up and live on the hard to reach side of the mountain, right? Understand what this meant. God's people, even though they did it in fear, they're isolated in being outmatched. They're surrounded by a crag, right? They're surrounded by futility and failure and weakness and fear. And it is God's faith, the Bible's telling us, that was able to climb over the thorniness of their situation, over our situations, the, our impossibilities. It, it is saying that it's the faith of God that can climb up the sin and the sufferings and the doubts and the not-so-good history and get to us. And it is that faith in the Lord, that trust in the Lord, that must reach our hearts, that we must have when we are on the rough side. If we're on the thorny side, the dry side, the losing side of a situation. God's faith, gospel faith, 
Biblical Holy Spirit in our heart, faith, and belief flows uphill over and through the crag and rough and impossible circumstances and thinking for people like you and me who are outmatched. Look again at verse one with me. That day, the son of Saul said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. And then if you jump down, right? Uh, let's, so we talked about the crag and, and how that works and how Jonathan says, let's go to Lord to be with us. And then it said, verse eight, picking up there. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men, that's the Philistine men, and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and, and this shall be the sign for us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, like looking down, Look, Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. In other words, we'll show you a thing or two, right? And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan, listen to this, climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, killed them after him, right? The same faith, the same call to God and belief that found Jonathan where he was outmatched is now, in our point two here, the same faith that pushed and called him to go out there. Right? So like I explained, Jonathan slips out undetected and, and by faith at work in him, he goes into what I would describe as no man's land. Right in that pass, that area in between, he goes in the middle, not in the safety and security uh, uh, on the crag and, and hiding out like everybody else anywhere. He is all out in the open, all exposed, and then shows himself all out in the open, just him and his armor bearer, yelling up to the outpost from, from the valley, from the desert, from where no man would go, right? On the other side of impossible, he's looking up way, from way below, from the low ground to those on the high ground. Y'all remember Anakin, soon to be Darth Vader Skywalker, when he gets his legs cut off by the lightsaber of Obi-Wan Kenobi? Obi-Wan's him. I remember it. It's in my mind. He warns them, doesn't he? I remember the words. Anakin thinks he's going to attack Obi-Wan. It's in his eyes. And he's like, no, Anakin. I have the high ground. Give up. Jonathan was in a spot on the low ground. He was exposed. He was in a spot of weakness looking up, right? How do we say it? He was crazy looking. He was out there, y'all. 
He was foolish and overzealous looking at his belief in God. He was out there like a yelling, crazy, emotional protester who has lost their minds enough to be in the middle of the street or in the middle of a corporate square or government center demanding justice and rights. He has so got this faith burning in his heart that he goes out where no person should go. And it is, it, and it is, and at least should be the story of believers, right? To be out there, to be in the gap. I mean, think throughout history, protesting. Do you know, for you Protestants, do you know what Protestant means? Protesters in the name of Jesus. Protesting against injustice, protesting in any way that would stop people from the benefits of God's grace to Jesus Christ. And unfortunately for many of us, it's only stopped at theological protesting, right? But this protesting, right? Staying in the middle. We see Christians doing it throughout history, right? Fighting the wrongs, the ills and injustice of the orphans and the sick and the poor. And, and, and one that's really popular among evangelicals, the unborn, but also, don't you realize that the, the enslaved in our country were, were, were the, the pushing that freedom was, was led by believers who believed that these people made the image and likeness of God. So God is calling us to go out there for the mistreated and the broken. Looking up, y'all, that means looking up to the system and to the power and demanding upwards for the oppressed. God wants and calls and pushes our faith sometimes, and you know, we got to be real careful, into social media, and even sometimes into the streets to bring attention to thorny and slippery issues, right? To charge at those issues, to, to represent issues that are, that are hard to reach and, and hard to deal with, that are outnumbered and intimidated and afraid. You know, this week, Kelly and I, we've been asking questions. What are we going to do? Like, wait a minute. God, do you, are you with us? This thing looks so slippery. It looks so crag-like. It's just no way we're going to get uphill. And it just seems foolish to go out there one more time. To speak truth to power when it's so high. We're called to reach the hard to deal with, to deal with situations that are broken and surrounded by oppression and ungodliness and sin and human error and ignorance that have raided our God-image-bearing humanity. It is the faith of God that is for people who find themselves like some of you out there. Some of y'all out there, I want to encourage you. Sometimes you are just following the Lord and you find yourself out there. Some of the African-Americans in our denomination, predominantly white denomination, felt the call of the Lord to go to a situation where, where, they, were in, unco where they were culturally imbalanced in number and, 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 and history, right? And, and, and you, you just went and you had the right relationships. You met somebody in college. You went to the seminary. And now where are you? You out there. Maybe you just like the armor bearer. You just went out, of, out there out of love or curiosity or support for someone else, but you were drawn by the faith. Maybe you just were born a certain skin color and now you got out, now you out there. 
just because you were born, you out there, right? But you were drawn by the faith now, by the work of God, the invisible work of God into the fray, right? To emotionally and physically and mentally and spiritually be called and to go into the gap to mediate God's grace and mercy in and facing an unmerciful world. Christ Central's mission statement has a line that says this, that we are free to face the world with the renewed dignity that comes from Christ. Oh, it's so cute, right? But understand to be freed to do that in this world means that faith has in is at work through you and putting and calling and drawing you and even for some of you meeting you while you are out there. Don't you see? Jonas is out there and goes, not for himself. Because he could have been chilling under the pomegranate tree too. Eating pomegranates, chilling as the prince or the king, right? But for those who don't, won't, he goes for those who won't and can't. Don't you know that's what out there faith means? That's the faith God is calling us to, to love him. We got a lot of that. We good. We theologically in, in worship, we try to be orthodox in loving God. But, but that faith means you don't only go for yourself before God. You're out there believing, showing it and showing out for the sake of those who aren't and can't go out there. Possibly, right? Because of their lack of faith, right? Folk are scared or they're being circumstantially disqualified. Maybe they're besieged. Maybe they're shut down. Maybe they're voices. Maybe they're just tired of getting beat. Or maybe they don't have the weapons or skills to fight for themselves. And maybe like Jonathan, being the only one, only armed person, along with his father, God has gifted some of us to be used to, to get God's work done for those who don't have the equipment to get it done, or situation, or privilege, our work, our jobs, our skills, our place, our money, and different spheres and intersections of influence. We are already possibly in a place and equipped in a way that puts and makes us out there for the love of God and the love of neighbor. Like an already born person for the unborn, right? We do it all the time. Folk marching. Some folk even got these real graphic signs, right? I don't want to see another video of a black man getting killed, right? I don't need to look at that. But I see people marching with, with graphic pictures of babies being aborted, right? Because they're standing for an unborn person's rights. And yet, there is the same call for somebody you can see face to face, who you can see bears the image of God. To, to stand for the oppressed people who are trapped on the wrong side by injustice and oppression. One, one group trapped in the womb, you know, and, 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 and uh, oppressed and potentially taken out because the money ain't right or the daddy ain't around or something like that. But now here are people who are walking around. I get asked all the time, especially these last couple of weeks, Pastor Brown, what can a white person do? <laughs> Not just that, but a, but a person in a position of privilege doing all of this. Go out there. Hear me. 
with how and what God, another Bible verse says this, has given to you, not you've earned. You need to stop thinking the capitalistic American way. Believers, if you have privilege, right? If, if you have some equipment, if, if, if you wanted a few who have something, right? Who can make a difference at, at the voting booth. If you can make a difference in corporate America. If you can make a difference as a manager or something or a teacher or, or a mom who instructs their kids or dad who, 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 who goes and, and, and fishing with their boys or, or, or someone who's at the golf club or tennis club or pool and you're sitting around in your little chairs and you're talking that was given to you by God that past that out there situation is not yours because you earned it the gospel story reversed that thinking that all you are and all you have is now submitted to God not for yourself not for you to feel comfortable but for you to comfort those who are oppressed and hurting Maybe like Jonathan, you have the weapons to fight the enemy that others who need it fought for them don't, right? To go where others can't, to go up the hill, to the mountain, to go where, you know, to go there and tell your friends and family. Some of y'all gonna be going home, hanging out with friends and family around the grill, and folk gonna say all kind of wrong stuff. You gotta go out there and say, that ain't right. It's not wrong. It's wrong to be driven by someone else's emotion and God's faithfulness to the oppressed and unfortunate to be the few for the many. Let me tell you what this is going to mean. What Jonathan felt. You'll look stupid. You'll feel stupid, out of place, off, and will be mistreated and misunderstood. Do you see what the Philistines say to Jonathan? They look down at him and they're like, look, the Israelites finally came out of the cave. It's an insult of their character, not their fear, right? Look, at they came out the cave finally. You know how many things I've read about, hey, the reason these folk are looting and the reason these people are doing this is because they, 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 they don't know how to manage their own households and they're they growing up in families without dads and you can tell they don't know how to even govern themselves. I read that. Right? There's insult for your oppression, right? So there's insult. When, when you stand out there, you expose yourself and go out there. Like the Philistines said, come on, man. Come on up here. Let me show you a thing or two. In other words, if you try to, to fight the power, you will get beat down. Know what they're saying? You fool. You loser. Soldier to soldier, we disrespect you. You stupid, right? You might feel it and hear it. White man to white man, you stupid. Black man to black man, you sell out uh, Tom. Or, or to some of you, you have fallen to, you know, hey, you know what you're doing? You're falling to that liberal Christianity stuff. You are caught up in that social gospel stuff. We've all heard the insults. You're believing in Jesus and confessing your sins and all of that born again stuff. Like from your, from your friends who are not believers, I know what they say. They're like, all you Christians do is pray and talk and it makes you think I ain't gonna act because I don't wanna look stupid again. 
Go away with your antiquated, unsophisticated, caveman way of thinking. That's the white man's faith. Come with the Hebrew Israelites. Come with the Islamic, black Islam, black Muslims. Right? I feel like a fool a lot of times. You know when I wear PCA on my shirt? I mean, if this is my, but he's a so-and-so, so-and-so. Got it. Oh, he's a pastor at the PCA church. You fool. Why are you out in the gap for that? Why are you in your no man's land? That is a no black man's land. And if you come to us with that, we'll show you how stupid and out of place you are fighting for, for those folks and standing on faith. And they are right. It does look silly. It does look stupid. It is not always logical in large part because God's faith, hear me, this is our last and third point, is calling us out there to experience an out-of-the-ordinary victory. The Bible says that this happens. Jonathan climbs up the face of the slippery mountain not with his sword in his hand, not with his shield. Reminds me of the movie Glory, right? When they, when they climbed that hill, they, they weren't going to win. <laughs> to the Philistine base. And it is so out of the ordinary that it surprises them when he gets there. Like they thought, ain't no way they're going to get up this hill. They, come, we'll, come on up. We'll kick you behind, whatever. Like, come on up. We'll show you a thing or two. We'll make you wish you never serve God. Like, right? Come on up, you one weapon having fool, right? Like, come on up. And the Bible says he gets up there and they're like, oh my Lord, how he got up here. He takes it by such surprise that they killed 20 men. And it sends the Philistines into shock. And the Bible says that God then sends an earthquake that confuses the Philistines and they start killing each other, y'all. So them 6,000 chariots and 60,000 whoever and sand on the sea started mixing up and shooting each other, not shooting, but throwing spears and arrows and killing each other. The Israelites, guess what? They did have plenty of swords to help them. Just not in their hands. Oh, no, God, you got to give me the power, <laughs> right? I want the power in my hands. I don't want to wait on you. I don't want you to do it your way. They did have plenty of power that day, the Israelites. Just not their own power. This was supernatural, super realistic, super hero kind of stuff where God thunders with an answer and response to the faith at work in Jonathan. I'm saying this because... Y'all, man, I tell you, just like everybody else, even as a pastor, there are days where I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I've been reading this. I've been praying. I've been, I've been talking. I've been preaching. My own heart can't even take it. We don't have it. God, what you doing? Me and Kelly were talking on the way here. God, God, God what, what you doing? What you doing with black people right now? Look, what, what is this? What, what does it mean to be a black Christian of a God who created the heavens and the earth? And then you get these things happening 
And then COVID comes and all of, you, all of us got them diabetes, high blood pressure, got the sugar, as some of us say. We got all kind of heart diseases. And then we're taking medicines, apparently, preliminary medicines given mainly to people at ER who don't have no constant health care. The kind of medicines to fight diabetes and heart disease uh, irritates the, 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 the lung system so that that even makes you more susceptible apart from the disease you're fighting. Poverty over and over and this over and over. It just, it just seems like, and I'm saying this because God it may be calling us out there for victory mission, but it will happen like God's uphill faith does in a way that they and we least expect, right? Even King Saul, and I didn't get into the story much. We'll bring him up again. He got a lot to talk about later about him. But even King Saul is surprised. He don't even know Jonathan's gone out there. And it is so supernatural. Hear me now. The work of God that his religious attempt, he tries to do this kind of mojo spiritual thing, priest with the ark, and I'm not getting into explaining it all, but he does it to gain the attention back on himself. Here's the deal. God is and has done something so big so about him, God, that it is impossible for Saul or anyone else to get any credit, credit or glory in it. That is the faith that flows uphill for a world inside and outside that is way bigger and broader than we can handle. It won't be something we can say. We did it. I saw this coming. I knew it. Racism, sexism, poverty, the stuff COVID has revealed about us, our politics, our, 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 our fighting it politically. According to the faith that is at work among God's people, these things are not going to be defeated and we will not get the victory because our strength or our vocation or anything we can show or brag about has come. But ultimately, when God uses, right? Jonathan says it, that, 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 that God may save us. And so I realized that it, 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 will, it will also not be our goodness. Remember Saul tried to do the religious thing? Saul realized that it will not be our goodness or our self-righteousness or our orthodoxy. Or look, the reason we're doing better is our theology is better than yours, right? Or theological history, or we're more reformed. Or our personal moral crusades of self-righteousness or our personal moral ways of, hey, I look good. I did my part. I had a black roommate in college. Well, look, I went to Africa, right? You hear stupid stuff like that all the time. No, this is an uphill faith of an out-of-the-ordinary kind of work that the Lord alone gets glory as he uses and frees us in and by it that the weapons of our warfare are not like the world. And it is not like the world's strategies. Now, don't hear me wrong. Even though God can use them through us, but the ultimate weapons of our victory, the Bible teaches, are more powerful than anything the world can outmatch us with. Because our weapons are spiritual. Which means they are wielded and used by God himself. We have that scripture about our weapons being spiritual. Yes, you know, and I remember old Carmen song. 
And he talked about, I'm, I'm deputized and weaponized to blow Satan and sin away. Okay. But he missed it. Because you know who has the weapons? You know who has the armor on ultimately? The Lord. He gets into the war for us to swing the spiritual weapons himself. And he at the same time, remember how the Israelites couldn't get weapons because the, 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 the Philistines were controlling the blacksmiths, right? But God is like this heavenly blacksmith. And he alone can forge weapons for our use that are more powerful in this world. Let me tell you some of them. Oh, are they going to sound like an axe, a plowshare, and a sickle? I'm going to warn you. Prayer. Lament, biblical confrontation, speaking truth to power, spreading the good news, caring for the widow and the orphan and the, dis and the oppressed in, 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 in physical ways and, and really doing it. Repentance. Saying I'm a sinner, I'm a racist. You know, the other day... Um, <laughs> One of our friends something very, said something very sad, but something very powerful. We were like, well, we need to really lead as African-Americans in the lament so our white brothers and sisters or whoever else can join us. And he said, no, they know how to lament. 9-11, they didn't have no problems. No, not one church had a problem putting a lament service together. When Sandy Hill happened, Virginia Tech shootings happen, no problems, crying on film, all out in the street, no problem lamenting for the unborn. I went by one church and they had like uh, hundreds of crosses in the front of their, their church, right? And it said, these are the lives lost by abortion. Then I went by at Memorial Day, crosses all over the place with the American flag and, and Jesus and God and, and all these hymns sung and, and, and lament. He said, the reason they don't know how to lament for this is they don't care. It's not in the heart. They don't feel a sorrow. There's no connection. There's always defensiveness and don't make me feel bad and please blah, 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 hiding in caves like the Israelites and cisterns, just hiding, trembling that they may be found wrong. If your heart ain't right, repentance is a weapon of grace for your good. But the story about the faithful work of Saul's son, Jonathan, is here to point us to and remind us of the faithful work of God's son, Jesus. For the outmatch, the out there, and in need of an out of the world victory. Jesus left heaven. Undercover, y'all, it seemed. In human flesh. Came out there for us to us, for our brokenness, for our being trapped by sin and sadness and oppression. He came to be the one for the many and all that are his. He stayed.
rebuild the walls of our bondage. Our lack of justice before God. And in this world, in, in, in this world, and he went up the crag on a hill called Golgotha. And he got the victory by dying on the cross. And the Bible says God the Father thundered from heaven. And sin and Satan and this world were defeated on a hill far away. And in his resurrection, he calls us the outmatch, those out there and those who rely on his out-of-this-world redemption of mankind to come to join him, to take this world for his glory in light of his victory, to go out there too. Because of his love and grace to us. For George Lloyd... who was physically and metaphorically, who physically and metaphorically could not breathe, live with an oppressive world on his neck. And the many people and issues who are represented by him, faith flows uphill for you through Jesus. For those of us right now who are too afraid, too paralyzed, too prejudiced, too fearful to get involved, too ignorant to get involved. Jesus gives us a faith that flows uphill and finds even us there. What are we seeking? What are we trusting? Is those outmatched, tired, out there, all exposed in your pain and nobody there to help you. We look for the out of the ordinary grace of God to deliver us. And I know it sounds stupid and I know it might sound silly, but there is nothing laughable about what the Son of God did for us on the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it feels like I want to give up. I want to leave this version of Christianity way behind sometimes. Thank you that you sent us a Jonathan and Jesus because many of us are just religious we're just joining the crowd in a safe place. We're hiding. We're unsure that you actually said that this is something. We, we, we need to wait for the proper judgment before us to jump out there, right? Like we, we got to know. Thank you that we are not a lost cause. Wherever we are, we are not lost to the Lord we are not too far up a slippery slope or a rocky slope. Your grace reaches us because Jesus bridged the gap. Continue to do that in the life of your people today, especially in these uncertain times, especially as the conventions in the election, in the court trials, we still out there. <laughs> All the slippery and rocky things on the way are coming now. 
even the RNC coming to Charlotte in the middle of all of this, President Trump coming to Charlotte in the middle of all of this, this is going to be a season where we're going to need that faith that flows uphill. Hasten, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.